let me ask you something. Uh, some people don't know about the second trial of uh, Barry Gurari. It's sort of everything is is concentrated on Didan Notzach and people imagining um, that the story ends there. I, I want you to say just very briefly about the okay. second trial and specifically, as far as, as far as the books are concerned, there was a, tra there was a transfer of some books at, at the end of that trial, correct? Yeah, that's an interesting question because there is a, a great deal of confusion. Uh, um, so number one, there was a trial where Judge Sifton uh, found for Lubavitch, a good Chabad. It's important for me to note, and most Lubavitchers out there never went to high school, So, but I have to say this, it's important for me to note that this was a civil trial, it was not a criminal trial. Barry Gurari was not accused by the state of New York or by the federal court of any crimes. It was a civil trial between two parties uh, who couldn't You're talking settle. about the first you trial, huh? No, it was a civil trial. So any of these characters out there, uh, wherever you are in the basement of 770, uh, no court ever said that Barry Gurari was a criminal. It was a civil trial. And after the civil trial, there were no criminal charges filed against Barry Gurari. There's nothing criminal in what he did. It was a genuine um, a disagreement of uh, who these this property belonged to. That's all. Number two, there was an appeal. Gurari lost the appeal. Again, I believe it was Judge Sifton, or I think he was the appeals judge too. Um, you know, people may not want to hear this, but uh, a Lubavitcher Bacher, and I do know his name, and I'm sure I'm not the only person who knows his name, uh, while the Rebbe was fabrenging in a very, in a very stormy fabrenging, um, a Lubavitcher Bacher came up, and beat Mrs. Gorari and sort of knocked out one of her eyes. I saw Mrs. Gorari, Gorari uh, I visited her, and she did not look very well. And uh, there are pictures, I believe. Did you print a picture of yes, her? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Okay. So there are pictures of her, and she did not look uh, well. And this was done by Lubavitcher. He was bundled off on Shabbos to Israel. So, you know, there that, that, that's enough for Shabbos. Kuach Nefesh, you know, so Dechas Shabbos. So, um, that happened. Then Lubavitch turns around because Lubavitch is not a Avas Yisrael, as one as one Lubavitcher once told me when I invoked the Avas Yisrael clause to him, and he says uh, Lubavitcher was a kapote and he wasn't a Balchuva and he wasn't an American. It turns around to me and says, "Don't give me that Balch that Avas Yisrael bullshit." That's what he said to me. It was a very enlightening moment because I saw that what some Lubavitchers really think about Avos Yisrael, it's just a cliche as uh, Marlboro or Ken Cigarettes had cliches for their advertising. It's a good advertising logo, Avos Yisrael. But, you know, most of them know it's just an advertising. Anyway, so um, they turned around in the great Avos Yisrael and now sued Barry Gurari for their legal fees and so-called damages for millions of dollars. Uh, Barry Gurari then turned around and sued Lubavitch because if the Rebbe claimed that 770 belonged to Agudas Chassidei Chabad, then Agudas Chassidei Chabad was, um, so to speak, negligent in allowing a Bocher to go up and beat Mrs. Gurari. 
No, makes sense to me. Uh, so that, this went on for a while, and uh, so so wait, wait a second. So wait, wait, wait. wait, 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 wait so, so hold on, hold on. I I, I, I want to clarify I something. I, so you're saying that after the Didan Nutzer trial, Chabad sued Barry Gurari to recoup their legal costs. Their legal costs and damages. So, so this is important. This important distinction here. I, I, I want to just dwell a little because I, I didn't, I didn't, right. I, I, I miss, even I didn't I, understand I, it. Right, but I missed something. Okay. I missed something. So I, I need to backtrack because I don't have notes and speaking uh, without notes. I missed something. When the first trial, the the decision of the first trial was issued, Agudas um, Chassidic Chabad was awarded the library of, Je of Joseph Eichnerson, Rabbi Joseph Eichnerson. That much is true. But the personal books of Joseph Eichnerson, which surrounded his desk, and we all have seen those pictures of the large desk uh, with the Rebbe sitting with his um, Shpodik or Kolpek uh, behind the desk, all those books, which were the court regarded as the personal property of Joseph Eichnerson were awarded to Barry S. Gurari. Okay, so what, now I've made- What is the distinction between the books uh, on, on Rayat's yeah, the desk library, the and the, the library? library? The library was found to have been the property of Agudas Chassidi Chabad. I mean, I'm not gonna argue, you know, with the, I mean, it, as Barry Gurari said, that the court decision doesn't change the way Hasidim thought about the ownership of the library, and I agree with that statement. But you know, I'm not going to argue with the court's decision. The court decided that that was the property of a good Hasidic Chabad. But the same court, namely Judge Sifton, uh, decided that the books on the on the desk of Rabbi Joseph Eisenhardson were his personal property. So, 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 just let me ask: the award of those books was part of the first trial? Yes. Ah, I didn't understand that. I thought yeah, the award no, of those. I thought the award of those book was part of the second trial. No, that's why I backtracked. That's why I backtracked because in the first trial, those books, the Sfarim, which probably included, uh, you know, Chokli uh, Yisrael. Uh, I don't know what they included. You know, Chumashim, Gemaras. Uh, you know, the books that Rabbi Joseph Eisenerson used on a daily basis. I mean, I'm a I'm a worm compared to Joseph Eisenerson, but I also have like 50 books that are that I sit next to that I use every day. You know, I don't use all 50 every day, but you know. So, um, you know, so th that was that. Now I'll, I'll go fast forward again. So there is now this competing suits between Barry Gurari for Agudas Chassidi Chabad on the negligence of the beating of his mother and the Agudas Chassidi Chabad suit against Barry Gari to recover their legal fees and damages, damages namely being the money they had to spend to buy back books that Gari sold to rich dealers. So those that was called was, damages. Let me get, was, was, were, there, were those suits filed simultaneously or one preceded another? They, they were filed almost the same time. But uh -huh. Judge, I believe it's either Judge Sifton or Judge Walker, and Judge Walker is a cousin of uh, of President Bush. Of you know, because uh, the senior President Bush, I believe his middle name is um, yeah. Walker Herbert or something. 
Yeah, yeah, it's Walker and and their father. I remember he was he was a senator, um, Prescott Bush, and um, anyway, so I don't know if it was Walker or Sifton. Sifton's aggressor in Yuchus because he was an aid in Bezivigrishan by Reinhold Nibor was Choshevagal, you know. So for Chabad, that's a big Yuchus, you know. Um, you know, so uh, Walker, Walker had a Yichas too. So then let me just let me just say, so the books that were on Rayatz's table were awarded to Barry Gurari as part of the first trial? Correct. And what, what are those books? And how, how do they determine, you know, Rayatz's table didn't exist anymore, only in pictures. How do you know what's on Rayatz's table? Because the Rayatz's table existed in fact. You know, nothing was moved out except for the will. Except for the will, nothing was changed from the Rayatz's office. The Rebbe didn't what, use the Rayatz. What, what, where's that office? Upstairs. I, I'm not a, uh, I'm not, uh, you know, a Lubavitcher architect. I don't, it's upstairs, yeah. Yeah. So, so the office was not tampered with. The books remained on the table. And it just seems that these were books, they were not part of the library. There was a well, library it, it, called it, it, may, it makes sense because it's, it would be an apartment where Hana and and Rashag lived, so it's right. it's their family property. So if if right, there would be, be if there would be if there would be Rayatz's table there with books on it, it belongs to Barry. Well, it belongs at least partially to Barry, you know, because it, you know, the the way Mrs. Schneerson Senior saw it is that it belongs one third to uh, Rebitson uh, Mushka. One third to Rebetzin Chana. Stop calling her Mushka. Do me a favor. Don't call her Mushka. She's Mushka. I call there's, her... no, there's no such thing as yeah, Mushka. Call... Don't don't get on my nerves. It's like I it's call... a, I I know it's it's like a whole invention. They invented this name Mushka. And I think well, Rebbe. You, know, think... you know what? I'm a guy who goes off off track constantly. But yes. you know I go off track, so I'm depending on you to keep me on track. But I have to say this: there's another invention of Chabad. It's namely the word Tirtuk. That's not the right word. Every Litvishayid, every white Russian Jew called it Asurdut. Surdut, as my father pronounced it. Asurdut. You know, Chaim Grada, the great Yiddish writer, calls it Asurdut. You know, it's not Asurtuk. I don't know where they invented this. No, from. no, I tell, you, I, t- I, t- I, tell you, I tell you where it's invented. This, this sort of, this, this type of uniform in Russian called surtuk. It's not a Yiddish okay. word, it's a Russian word, it's called surtuk. Right, but 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 a Fruma Yid called it a surdut. And as a matter of fact, my father made a distinction between a surdut and a uh, bekicha or a kapota. A bekicha and a kapota were formless. It didn't have uh, lapels, it was formless. So the old Hasidim from the town where my father came from wore kapotas. The younger Hasidim, if there were any, and we talked about that earlier in this, if there were any, wore uh, surdut, which is a form-fitting thing going to the knee. Now it goes to the pupik because most of the, it's like Mrs. Hartstein, who uh, I think she passed on. If she didn't, it's a segula farichas yomim. But Mrs. Hartstein would ask Lubavitchers who came to buy kapotas, and they would say, can you shorten it? Can you shorten it more? She would say, why don't you buy a suit? <laughs> okay. So, 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 so um, <laughs> okay. 
anyway, where, where were, oh, so we're at the, where, so anyway, the book, the, the, the desk of the Rayats, those books, which, you know, included, I mean, the Rayats probably studied Mishnayas every day, probably looked in a Gemara every day, probably looked in a Siddur, he davened, he had Siddurim, he had, uh, you know, a Chok, he probably had a, uh, you know, I don't know what, you know, Gemara, I'm sure he learned every day. Um, you know, I'm sure Sifre Chassidus, I forgot all about it because I, it doesn't mean that because I don't learn Chassidus that the Lubavitcher Rebbe didn't learn Chassidus. So he probably had all sorts of Sifre Chassidus, uh, Bicher or Ansvarim, you know, Bichlach, as they say in Lubavitch. Um, uh, you know, um, so uh, those were awarded to Barry S. Gurari, a.k.a. Shalom Bear Gurari, a.k.a. Barry Gurari. And by the way, since I go off base constantly, <laughs> Barry told me that anyone who calls him Berka does not know me. My nickname was Bere, B-E-R-E, not Berka. So that what that proves is that most of these Lubavitchers didn't know him. They created a nickname for him called Berka. But a white Russian Jew, and you know, I uh, I don't care if people uh, I am. That's what I am. You know, my both my parents were from White Russia, and I, you are too. Wait, wait, you, 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 you're skipping the 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 Litvaks over there, no? Same thing, White Russia, Lita, no oh. difference. Okay. You know, the Yiddish is the same. The 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 Lvush is the same. The food we eat the soup after the meal. That's that's what we are. We are, and the Alter Rebbe was called Zalman Litvak. Reb Zalman Litvak. That's what the Alter Rebbe was called. And uh, as Zalman Schachter, uh, should I say Zechert Tzadik L'Gracha? Why not? Kost me tired to say it. Uh, Zalman Schachter, Shalomi Zechert Tzadik L'Gracha, told, told me and wrote someplace that the, the Rebbe's, the Besarav, were very mockbit to speak Lithuanian, White Russian Yiddish with the pronunciation of Lithuanian, White Russian. But I'm going completely off base. No, no, so, it's, a, it's important. Soup after the meal. We have to write it down. That's what my parents served. My mother served soup after the meal. You know, first right. we ate the, then the Shabbos, we ate the soup. The soup was the last thing. And, okay, so uh, speaking, got, speaking of soup to nuts, speaking of soup to nuts, let's go back to that. I just finished that subject that I, I, I'm friendly with the daughter of uh, Harav Taitz, uh, that's all. And uh, Ravi Taitz's daughter said the same thing. So uh, whatever. Um, and she, she said, by what? the way, soup, soup after the meal. Right. And that's how Litvisha Yidin ate the soup after the meal. All and right. of course, Litvisha Yidin were poor people and we didn't have very much food. Kasha, Kasha, and Kasha. That's all it. Bulbas, bulbas, and bulbas. You know, we, there was no. That's why the Hungarians know how to bake. They have beautiful torts and uh, kokosh cake. I mean, they know they had more money. You know, and you know, uh, unfortunately, I never was able to get into that culture. But uh, you know, uh, it's a good culture. <laughs> a good right. culture. Anyway, so the the books uh, the books on the table were awarded to Barry Escarari. Then there was a, this trial. Who, who has trials. those books now? Jimmy I Doit? don't know. No, I'm just I kidding. No I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, but but I take it seriously. I have no comment. I I have no okay. comment. There's things. Uh. Anyway, so um, I suspect that Barry's children have those books, or maybe they were purchased. I, you know, there's a lot of, you know, my father used to call it kunkel munkel. 
Does that does that something that you know the word? No, no, that you... no. Don't know kunkumuku. <laughs> <laughs> no, I gotta, I gotta remember deals. that. A lot of kunkumuku. There's <laughs> shady deals going on. Kunkumuku. You know, I don't. You know, I talk and I remember things from 60 years ago. I don't remember this stuff myself. Believe it or not. I don't remember it. You know, I've been speaking English for you for who knows how long, because after all, the Babish speaks English too. I'm no better than they are, you know. Um, maybe I'm worse than they are. So, um, okay. So, Barry got the books. I don't know what happened. That I can't tell you. What, what, where they are, who bought them, if maybe they were sold, I don't know. Um, I didn't see them on auctions, I'll, I'll admit that. But there are people out there, Lubavitchers, who are really sharp, sharp eyes about this stuff. So, um, so the two trials, the trial of Barry against Lubavitch for damages for his mother's uh, beating and the trial of Lubavitch against D Barry for uh, damage uh, and legal fees were combined. The court combined them. And they went on for a while. Said, said again, you know, I must have said again, must have missed it. Which two trials? The, court, the two trials the court, for and against? No, the trial by Barry suing Agudasasuri Chabad for liability for the beating of his mother. Okay. And the trial from Agudasasuri Chabad suing Barry Gurari for legal fees and damages were combined upon order of the presiding judge. Uh huh. They were combined. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what. How could you? They, I, but I, well, it's interesting. How could you do it? They claim such mm -hmm. different things. They were combined because they they were combined because they again they were not criminal cases. They were civil cases of two entities suing each other for different matters. So, you know, when he starts no, but, thinking. But wait, 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 wait a second. So the the. The trial for beating of Hana Gurari and and injuring her, why wouldn't be a, a criminal case because that you don't it have wasn't a person a you don't, because there was not a person. It wasn't a criminal case because it wasn't the perpetrator was in Israel. There was no. It wasn't a criminal case. It was a civil case that Agudas Chassidic Chabad claimed ownership of 770. The beating was in 770, so they had a certain amount of negligence in allowing of liability in the beating of Mrs. Gurari. Very simple. I mean, uh, so on one hand, they claimed the ownership, Gudas Chassidi Chabad claimed the ownership of 770, which is Oiskatrach de Maisa, by the way, totally Oiskatrach de Maisa. The 770 belonged to the Rebbe, belonged to the Schneerson family, to the Rebbe Joseph I. Schneerson. It's an Oiskatrach, it's, uh, you know, uh, anyway, okay. but... Uh, All right. So the trials were combined because if you think about it logically, in both cases, it was the same two entities suing each other. And they weren't after jail because this is not a criminal case. This is a civil case. And after months and months of negotiations, I recall Barry calling me up, Arab Shabbos. It was a summer Shabbos. He called me up around seven o'clock and he said, uh, I have good news. I can't disclose the actual sum, but uh, Barry was extremely happy. And he said, uh, we won this case. Uh, they awarded us uh, a mil a, over a million dollars. So since since those two uh, two competing cases was the case of Chabad against Barry just thrown out entirely? 
it was combined and the sum that they, I guess the judge decided was a million bucks or something to Garari, that's all. Because after all, his mother's eye was, and the beating was probably worth more than uh, the legal fees to Nat Lewin. And, you know, I bet that the bottom line was that the judge wanted to see the legal, the legal invoices and Nat Lewin was probably working for free. I wouldn't be surprised if Nat Lewin was doing this as a, uh, a pro bono. But so, so, so some people, some say, some say, wait a sec, some people say that the second trial was sort of dismissed because Chabad was afraid that the Rebbe would be deposed as part of that. Yeah, Was that in the it, cards? It, it's part of the posturing. It's part of the posturing. There was a lot of posturing. Barry and his lawyers threatened to call the Rebbe, and uh, I think the so, Rebbe. So, was that went, was that the trigger that's when when the, when the lawyers for Barry Garari wanted wanted to call the Rebbe? They said, "All right, you know, we're not going to have a Rebbe in the court. Let's pay up." Well, I think the Rebbe was deposed uh, by video, I, I, and again, I'm not sure about this. But I think he was deposed on video because Chabad decided to retaliate that they would call um, the Rashad. Uh, they would call, but I think the Rashad wasn't even alive then. So I, I'm not sure about every little detail I'm saying okay. here. I think the but, but the bottom was, line is that the, the Chabad paid to Barry multi-million dollar. Well, Barry, penalty. listen, let me say, may, I mean, Barry's children may not be happy in what I'm going to say. Okay. You know. But, uh, you know, what can I do? Um, Barry was someone who was very interested in money. And it could be, uh, I was told that in the last few years of his life, he had fallen on um, hard times. His investments had uh, gone down. And that's, that was the reason he, um, you know, surreptitiously removed books from the library and sold them, you know, because uh, he was in need of money. Um, so I mean, wait, wait, wait a talk, second. What 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 year was uh, her first trial? Was it eighty eight, eighty seven? No, eighty seven, eighty six, right? It was earlier than eighty seven. It was around eighty six, eighty seven, I believe. Okay, because I, 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 because I was I was trying to think maybe it had something to do with crash of eighty seven, but uh, maybe it didn't. So. It could be. It could be. No. I didn't, you know. In other words, I if, wasn't, if if there was some loss in investments, the crash of '87, Barry Gurari trying to. But let's not make up stories. I, I don't know. I, what I, the I talked. Was. I talked to Barry Gurari about two subjects. I talked to him about automation, and not that I'm interested in it, but I did talk to him because he was very interested in this. And number two, I talked to him about Hasidus and Chabad. And uh, that's, that was 90% of my, I didn't talk to him about his financial state. Uh, I was in his house numerous times. He seemed to live quite well. But that could be deceptive. You know, a person can have enough money to live well, but he may have lost uh, financially. I don't know. Um, but uh, he, he was always very interested in money. Uh, he spoke to me about money many times. Not, not that I said anything in response to him, because you know, what do I know about money? You know, that, that's, uh, you know, I knew nothing about money. Zero. The zero. I'm worth zero dollars and I know nothing about zero about money. Um, so Gurari was, was very happy when, um, very, very happy. I'd never seen him this happy when the um, 
when the when he made that phone call in the subsequent uh, meetings between uh, himself and me, he was very happy. It was, as they say in Yiddish, ufgeleikt, zeir ufgeleikt. I don't know how that translates into English. Uh, very, no, no. very. Um... Please don't. Okay, it's understood what it means. Yeah. Okay, so and. Um... And that was the that end was of it, it, right? That was it. Huh? So most Lubavitchers don't know what I'll call a fancy English word, Dakota. Dakota to the story. Um, they don't know Dakota. Yiddish. I don't know. The Tachas to the story. I don't know. You know, uh, I'm sorry to be so... Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, they don't know the end. They, they don't know the full story. First of all, that the books on the desk of uh, Rayats were awarded to Barry. And two, that Barry got uh, over a million dollars from Agudas Chosidi Chabad. Yes, I'm not denying that Agudas Chosidi Chabad won, won the library. I'm not denying it. How can it be denied? You know. Interesting. Um, Interesting. I will. I will add to all of this that Lubavitch walks around. You know, I don't know if the mainline organization, but certainly some of the Chosidim that. Uh, Plony Almoni in Williamsburg, and I, you know, I can call his name, Rabbi Hershkowitz. I vaguely knew him. He was the Kleisenberg of Dayan, official Hershkowitz. He was an important halachic authority in the Hasidic community. And I, you know, I did meet him once or twice. I don't know. You know, I didn't know him, but I know him. Um, and they claim official Poskin that Lubavitch is the owner of the, uh, of the books. So I asked, uh, was there a Dintera? No. Was Barry Garari? I asked Barry, did you ever talk to Fischl Hershowitz? No. So what Dayan, what Bezdin issues a PSAC in a case where they don't listen to both sides? No such Bezdin, except maybe Al Capone's Bezdin. Maybe uh -huh. Al Capone had a Bezdin that did that. So the story about Fischl Hershowitz is more baloney. As a matter of fact, um, I spoke to a, a Rebbe, not a Rov, a Rebbe, who, who I will say, I'll admit that I'm sort of close to him. And I spoke to the Rebbe about this case, and he's, he's not an American Rebbe. And he said, you know, what's there to talk about? Open up the Shulchan Aruch. I believe it's a section called Hilchus Nachalos, or I'm not, I don't know this Shulchan Aruch. Uh, it's about Yerusha, it's the laws of Yerusha. And take a look, and you'll see who's right and who's wrong. So I leave it there. You know, uh, the fact that Judge Sifton used the Goyesha courts to rule that the books belong to Aguch doesn't change. Barry Garari, so uh, I think cogently wrote, doesn't change the way the Hasidim saw these books in his lifetime. And everyone I spoke to, be, you know, before the case, long before the case, and I asked various chassidim. What's the story with the Rebbe's library? Not one chassid I spoke to, and I'm not talking about American chassidim, not talking about Bali Chuba, I'm not talking about um, whatever, you know, some about serious people. They all told me the Yerusha hasn't been divided. Not one person told me that it belongs to Agudas Chassidic Chabad. As a matter of fact, Agudas Chassidic Chabad didn't exist. It was a paper organization whose only function was on the York site of uh, of Mahomedina, it put in an ad in the 
Allgemeiner in the Talmudian Journal saying Heint is the Yorzeit from uh, Rebetz and the Chomadina. Uh, you know, and who and well, nobody, nobody it, else it, would it, remember her. That's correct. It was the yeah. it was the Chaver Kedisha of Chabad, uh, written, written yeah. out of Chabad history. Well, uh, yeah, and she was. She was. Yeah, you know and, that, that uh, picture that that picture that I that I published was in, in the Chomadina is sitting there with three of her daughters. And I have to say, she's she's very beautiful, and it's a beautiful picture. And everybody who looks at the picture and they say, "How come we never saw this picture?" And of course, this picture is from the Bergeratis wall. It's like, why we never saw this picture? And the reason nobody ever saw this picture well, is the, because you know, there's an Achomadina there. I'll say this: that um, I have a lot of things to say, but I don't know if I should. Say okay, them. let me let me ask you this. So just to let, wrap let up, me just say, let me just say let me just say one thing: that Mina Mina Gurari, whose yes. maiden name was Chaskin. Yeah. Uh, Mina Gurari was um, like you know. Now I'm going to say something sexist. Mina Gurari was a, a much more uh, emotional hater of the people in charge of Lubavitch than Barry was. So uh, Mina actually showed me a, uh, a family album of photographs, which if they became public would um, sort of shock a lot of people. Yeah, but you know, all, all, all you people who were in the loop of all those things, you know, you always said this, that, but. You never produce the goods. No, I'm. I'm just saying. I can't. I, can't let, let, I understand. Goods. But let, let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. I wouldn't want anyone. Could you, to say, could you say two words from what you can about legal representation that Barry Gorari had during those two trials? About legal representation? Correct. I believe his first lawyer, and I don't remember his name. I knew his wife. I didn't know him. Um, I don't think he was a very good lawyer. I see what what he what he didn't do, because if he if he was a good lawyer, um, first of all he would have called the gaboyim of the Bavaver and Square and Satma Rebus as uh, expert witnesses, uh, and he didn't. That's number one. Number two, uh, he wouldn't have bothered calling um, people like um, Art Green and other such so-called experts of Chabad Hasidus. Uh, but uh, that's what they did, and Wait, it was did, ridiculous. Did Art, did Art Green, was he called as a witness for Barry or for Chabad? A witness for Barry. Oh, okay. And um, he, he lives around here. I see him once in a while. Yeah, yeah, sure. I knew Art Green. I knew him myself. Yeah, I, I think he's still alive. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm telling you. I, I, yeah, I see him yeah, once in yeah. a while walking with his cane. Now. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a friend of his. I, you but, know, I you say know, hello to him because I know, who, I know who he is. He, ha he yeah, has no I mean, idea who I am. Like, it's like a story of my life. I know everybody. <laughs> nobody knows me. So what are you I mean, I, I, I'm not, by the way, you know, I'm not knocking his scholarship. I mean, he wrote an interesting book about Nachman Brasler. But all of that doesn't mean he's an expert about the inner workings of Hasidus Chabad and of the Beis Harav and of the Schneerson family, et cetera, et cetera. He's not. You know, he may know something about, uh, you know, Reb Nachman and he knows something about uh, general Hasidus, but, uh, you know, he's no expert about the workings of the Schneerson family and Hasidus Chabad. So, but whatever. You know, I also would have called, would have gone up to the archives of uh, 
several institutions in New York, several Jewish institutions in New York, and found a lot of documentary evidence that would have proven that uh, when it comes to saving people's lives and Jewish property, anything goes. And that evidence would have shown from the Vadhatsola, the Vadhatsola, that um, all sorts of shenanigans, kunkumunkul, were were done in order to save Jews from um, from the fires of Hitler. That people who were communists were brought over to the United States as uh, rabbis in Chicago and Detroit, and people uh, money. And we see this with the monies that really belong to uh, to I don't know who, but they didn't belong to uh, to, pr- to private people. Suddenly became the property of uh, like in our case, Agudas Chassidi Chabad. So th- there there was all sorts of the war was going on. Property it was it was a fluid state. There was a fluid state of what was going on. And uh, so uh, that would be my first thing, that I would go through this and prove to Judge Sifton, one judge, yes, Joseph Eichnerson was not a liar. But, Judge, the, our, our books, our rabbinic books, our codes of Jewish law say that when it comes to save Jewish property and Jewish lives, you can tell a lie. And I don't think that Barry's lawyer did that. I don't, and, and, you know, and, and of course, Sifton had to be influenced by the numerous people with beards and long coats that showed up for Shabbat. He had to be influenced by that. Now, if even if the first lawyer just called up some of these Satmar Gaboyim, like Yosel Ashkenazi or Ezreal Glick, I don't think either one of them is alive, or Leah Mashalom, or the Bubba Rebbe's Gabai, or the Squares Gabai, Unger, or, you know, they're hungry, and he asked them the same questions. Maimed gelt, Rebbe, Maimed gelt, Spalang Chedetun Rebben, or the Spalang Chedetun You know, even if it wasn't an exact fit, it would have influenced Judge Sifton. It would have influenced by showing him that, wait, wait a second, I've just called six Gaboyim of the six leading Chedetun in New York besides Lubavitch, and they're all telling me that Maimed gelt belongs to the Rebbe. And that the guilt for Maimed is the is purchased. The Rebbe's uh, pillows are purchased. The Rebbe's books. The Rebbe's pen and pencil. It could not but fail to have an influence on Judge Sifton. Yet it wasn't done. Okay, so and so else someone you want to add to, on the subject before we wrap up. Yeah, I think I yeah, think what I'm going to do. I think what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, we we had a long conversation now. So what, what I think what I'm going to do is a split up the safer from Reisha, the end of the conversation from the beginning. So we have, I, because I think this whole Barry Gerardi discussion is warrants its own binkle, so to speak. Right? It's a I just want to say one more. It's a continuation of our opening. Yeah. And, you know, and by the way, you know, when we started this podcast, we had the first podcast about Bergurari. And I don't know. I didn't know what I was doing. You didn't. Like, it's like, hello, we were improvising, right? But somehow through this improvising, it's still most listened to podcast. I most listened to a post on this uh, young and upcoming blog. So there's this interesting I just, subject. I, just, I mean, I, I agree with you. I just add, add one thing. So someone's probably wondering out there. Um, 
So you're so, you're so smart that you would have called all the Gaboyim, you would have done this and that, so why didn't you tell Barry? The answer to that is that I didn't get involved in any of these trials. I was not involved in them, and uh, I did talk to Gorari, but I, um, my involvement was of such a inconsequential matter that it didn't do anything. So I felt it was, uh, I, I felt that I, I, this is not my matter, you know, and um, in retrospect, you know, um, to finish, I, the question, Barry did hire a good law firm, Strook and Strook, I believe they're called, and um, that law firm um, did you do mean for the job. second trial, correct? Yeah, yeah, that law firm seemed to do its job well. Um, I mean, of course, Lubavitch believes that Nat Lewin is invincible, but uh, Nat Lewin has lost many of his trials in, in recent years. I mean, he, he, you know, he's not Superman. I mean, he's probably a good lawyer, but, uh, he, you know, he hasn't won all his trials. I mean, no one, no one wins all their trials. I mean, there's no such thing. So, uh, okay. It's interesting. All right. It's interesting. All right, thank you very much. You the only window you. in, the, in this you. whole world, thank you. you know. So thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Zagizund. All the best.